So what were the real reasons Penn State lost to Ohio State? You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And now on YouTube, I am your host, Zach Seiko. So now you can watch the show and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. In today's episode, also happy first day of November, everybody. In today's episode, we are going to discuss what went wrong for Penn State against Ohio State. We will open up the show with that. And then expectations for the remainder of this season, where I think that Penn State can end up. We'll also give a best and worst case scenario, plus the realistic scenario for Penn State, uh, because we know that not everything's going to go according to plan here, right? And then the Sean Clifford, the Drew Aller debate, the reasons for starting each quarterback, and, and which side are you on? You can let me know in the comments section. You can let me know on Twitter at Zach underscore Seiko. You can see that if you're watching it on YouTube, Z-A-C-H-S-E-Y-K-O, in case you are listening. Also follow Locked on Nittany Lions on Twitter as well, and you can let me know there. But the debate is open. Let it happen in the comments section. Sean Clifford versus Drew Aller. I'm going to give you both sides of why each quarterback should start. And honestly, let you decide. Let you decide who you think is the right person for the remainder of this season. But let's start with why Penn State did lose to Ohio State and what went wrong for the Nittany Lions. And and I'm going to give you five reasons. I gave you 10 takeaways yesterday. And in case you did miss that episode, you can go back and watch it on YouTube. Um, Please do subscribe, hit that bell to turn on notifications. And you can go back and listen to wherever you get your podcasts as always. Uh, So either way, whichever is most convenient for you, right? Uh, so I gave you 10 takeaways and this is going to be similar, but I thought I'd focus on what actually went wrong for the Penn state Nittany lines itself, uh, because there were some positives like Parker Washington had a big game. Uh, Katron Allen did very well. And he's honestly built a little bit of a gap between himself and Nicholas Singleton right now. And not everyone sold on that, uh, but that's besides the point. So what exactly went wrong for the Nittany lines? Well, the first reason, and this was addressed in the takeaways, Sean Clifford did not have his best game. He bears responsibility for yesterday's loss. Uh, But the first reason why Penn State did lose this game to Ohio State, 44 to 31, was because of the four turnovers. You can't, and actually, I'm surprised that the box score doesn't register that one fumble by uh, C.J. Stroud. I don't know if they rule him down. I don't know if they say that time expired by the time he was sacked and fumbled. But if you go to the box score on ESPN, right, it says that Penn State had four turnovers to Ohio State zero. At the end of the day, Ohio State's fumble by C.J. Stroud was inconsequential, but whether it was four to one or four to nothing, the turnover battle should not have been so far uh, in in one direction. And for Penn State, that decided the game. Ohio State scored 21 points off of those four turnovers. And if you take away at least two, if you take away two of those turnovers, 
who knows if Ohio State even wins that game. Uh, so that was the first aspect of it. Three interceptions, and one of them led directly to points. It was the tick, uh, it was the pick six by JTT, JT Tui Moa Loau. Yeah, that's right. Say that three times fast. Uh, it, uh, but most people called him JTT during the game. I don't blame them. But he had the pick six as a defensive lineman. He also had another interception early in the game when he dropped back into coverage and uh, took the ball away from Katron Allen, if you remember that interception uh, early in the game. In that case, that was Sean Clifford's fault. The pick six, I don't necessarily blame on him. The fumble, I don't blame on him. But at the end of the day, those turnovers should have been prevented. And when you lose the turnover battle like that, James Franklin said in his post-game press conference inside of Beaver Stadium, you're not going to beat Ohio State if you turn the uh, ball over four times. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no duck, coach. I, I know. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, the second reason why Penn State lost to Ohio State the way they did was that Penn State was out-athleted in the fourth quarter. Not necessarily if that's a word, but let's add it to the dictionary here, right? Uh, you had better athletes on both sides of the ball for Ohio State. Uh, is that uh, recruiting? Is that development? Where is Penn State losing that battle? I don't know necessarily, but it doesn't matter because the athletes on Ohio State's side were better. Uh, Travion Henderson had the big touchdown run. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was essentially uncoverable. Uh, and if that was by design, if that was because of the matchup, it, it doesn't matter. Penn State wasn't having that luxury at the end of the game. Sure, Parker Washington had a big game himself, but when it came down to crunch time, who made the biggest plays? Ohio State's defensive line, Ohio State's number one wide receiver for the given day, and that was Marvin Harrison Jr. and Travion Henderson, who's not even 100%, but they were out-athleted, but that doesn't mean they lost the physicality battle. And I'm going to address that in just a second here in this opening segment. Uh, the third reason why Penn State lost this game was the shock and awe of Ohio State's uh, game-changing drive, where they retook the lead after 21 to 16 went up on the board. You know, Penn State, and that was actually one of my biggest turning points. Penn State drove down the field and to to scratch, to claw, to not have you had to earn every inch of that drive against Ohio State. And Catron Allen wasn't even going to score, right? He was hit in the backfield by multiple guys and somehow still found a way to get into the end zone. I, I'm surprised that Penn State was even able to cap off that drive. You had two missed field goals, a penalty that offset the first one, a penalty that offset the second one. You go for it on fourth and one. You have the slant to your tight end and a spread formation on fourth and one. Then you nearly fumble the ball in front of the goal line. You get stuffed on a quarterback sneak, and then you go tee backfield, try to confuse Ohio State, and it worked, but only because Catron Allen is a man at the age of 18 and was able to bully his way into the end zone. So when Ohio State is able to get the ball back and in three plays drive 75 yards and score in what, 30 seconds? 30 seconds. Penn State had to do all of that and then Ohio State responds immediately on the next drive. If Ohio State had driven down the field, if Ohio State struggled a little bit on that drive to at least earn those points, I think Penn State wins that game. I think Penn State uh, at least makes it a little bit closer than 44-31, to 31, right? Uh, but 
the fact that Ohio State was able to respond as quickly as they did, I, I think that just kind of set the tone. And I think that's just really draining to your sideline um, that you did all of that and Ohio State was immediately able to turn it around. Uh, that was the biggest turning point and one of the biggest reasons why Penn State lost this game. Uh, number four, you didn't adjust for Marvin Harrison Jr. in the slot. Uh, when Ohio State made two changes, they moved defensive end JTT to the other side against Bryce Effner because JTT was not getting home against Olu Fashionu. Olu Fashionu locked down the blind side for Sean Clifford. That was one, but that's not really the main reason, even though he had as many plays. Uh, the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. was basically able to skate free. What happened? Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. saw most of his work come in the slot when they moved him away from, guess who? Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr. locked it down. Even Kalen King, even though King gave up a big reception early in the game to Harrison Jr., Marvin Harrison Jr., when he moved to the slot, he was basically unguardable. Johnny Dixon, Keaton Ellis, Penn State. This When I'm starting to watch back the film and the tape and looking it over and just thinking it over, in a game like this, and this kind of stings me, in a game like this, you are not going to get into this situation many other times. I understand you want to stick to scheme. I understand that you want to play a player where he's best suited. But for a guy like Joey Porter Jr., who is supposed to be a top 10 pick, at least a top 20 pick in next year's draft, he'll be a guaranteed first rounder. Isn't he capable to shadow and move across the field? I don't care that he's the boundary corner. He should have been shadowing Marvin Harrison Jr. when it came down to crunch time. He should have been right over top of him, press coverage, and I dare you to beat me one-on-one. -on -one. That didn't happen. So the fact that there were no adjustments made when all Ohio State did was shift Marvin Harrison Jr. five yards inside the formation, uh, that set the game plan off, and that's why Ohio State won. Number five. Empty drives in plus territory. Penn State, uh, they, as many turnovers as they had, they also weren't converting on the drives that they did have. The long fourth and two, I'm screaming, kick the field goal in my head. You can't really uh, be loud in the press box where I watch this game from. But kick the field goal in fourth and two. You're going to need those points because you know how Ohio State can respond, and you left those points on the field inconsequential at the end of the day. I realized that, but you had multiple drives where you just came up empty handed. You drove into Ohio state side of the field. You showed that you could move the football and, and you were just turned away essentially. Um, so if Penn state is able to convert some of those other drives, yeah, it becomes a one score game. And then you really start thinking about the missed field goal or the, the opportunity anyway. Um, I just, I, that's also draining to a sideline, talking about how quickly Ohio State moves down the field and scores. How about trying to drive down the field and not being able to score? That, that's going to hurt your confidence as well. So, on the flip side of this, really quickly to cap off our first segment, how did Penn State keep it close to begin with? Uh, the first reason physicality. Penn State was the more physical team. I've heard those takes that, well, Ohio State out physicaled them. I, they out-athleted them. They out-finessed them, okay? And that's talent, that's coaching, whatever you want to call it. But in terms of physical, Penn State was the more physical team. 
the bubble screens. Nobody was afraid to put their head into the pile. No one was afraid to go after the football. Whenever there was a loose ball, you saw Penn State dive on top of it immediately. They showed some heart. They showed some grit, some toughness, and they won the physical battle. That's, that's a moral victory, but that is why they were able to stay in this game. Uh, reason number two they were able to stay in this game is because of Manny Diaz's defense. I thought Manny Diaz called a heck of a game. The strategy completely uh, foiled Ohio State's offense up until eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, as we all saw. But Manny Diaz's defense uh, confused them to a point where it was just until the game plan broke down. And that was my final reason. The game plan as a whole had Ohio State off balance, whether it was offensively or defensively. Ohio State didn't have an answer for Penn State, and that's why they had to go simple. They went simple ground game. They didn't really try to change anything up because uh, Penn, they called timeout on that one play where Sean Clifford uh, broke the uh, – they spread the backfield, and they had all these guys go five wide, and when he was going to go option read or quarterback draw – and Ryan Day snuck in a timeout because they're like, what is going on? They had no idea. So Penn State was playing a good amount of chess, even though they lost. Uh, the defensive game plan was working the best, even though they lost. And they were physical uh, throughout the entire game. Watch back the game. Watch the tape. Hunter Norzad's running over people. Brenton Strange is running over people. Kalen King is just working past blockers. And these were multiple occurrences. These weren't just select plays. If you look at the whole tape, you are going to see how many times Penn State players uh, were physical, were involved, and how many times that Ohio State just really had no idea and just kind of had to go for the simplicity of the game plan until it all broke down in the fourth quarter. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. When we come back, expectations for the remainder of this season. Best case scenario, worst case scenario, the realistic scenario. I'll give you my opinion. Next, this week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of an unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be Parker Washington's 58-yard catch and run for a touchdown versus Ohio State. Caught the ball, was led into two defensive backs, was able to break both of their tackles from Ohio State and put on the afterburners, and scored. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You can subscribe to YouTube, turn on notifications, and watch the podcast if you do so, please. If you need to take it more so on the go with you, can always listen wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're finishing that recap and putting a lid on Penn State versus Ohio State. Uh, there's still more to dissect. And now the ramifications of this. Uh, expectations for the remainder of the season. Best case scenario. Let's always start with the best, right? Uh, before we give me the good news, Doc. What is the good news? Not the bad news. Uh, the good news is that Penn State can finish 10-2. and two. 
and can finish seven and two in conference. Uh, if you want a true best case scenario, Michigan and Ohio State somehow lose three games and they're in Penn State's in the Big Ten Championship. Okay, that is the true best case scenario and still technically, statistically obtainable. Uh, but in reality, uh, we'll take the best case scenario in reality. Ohio State and Michigan are not going to lose three games. Uh, maybe they lose one. Maybe they even lose two, one of them. But that doesn't, since Penn State holds neither of the tiebreakers, really doesn't matter all that much. Uh, in reality, 10-2, and 7-2 and two in the Big Ten, and they're playing for a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, you could see Penn State in the Orange Bowl. That one's been brought up quite frequently. That is where a Big Ten team and an ACC, uh, ACC team are invited. Good matchup. You could see, uh, hypothetically, a Clemson. Uh, there's there's competitive. There's some competitive teams down in the ACC. Take a Syracuse, for example. Uh, these would be some nice matchups, uh, if you will. Uh, another one, the Rose Bowl, is a possibility. But this best-case scenario... And we're, we're taking all occurrences in, into consideration here. If Michigan and Ohio State are somehow in the college football playoff together, there is a chance they take Penn State as that third best Big Ten team. There's also a chance uh, they take the runner-up of the Big Ten championship game uh, because the Big Ten West team will be in even if uh, Ohio State and Michigan do happen to make, meet the college football playoff committee standards and they both get in because one of them is not going to make the championship. One of them has to lose and one of them will miss the spot in the East. So let's just say Ohio State and Illinois for a safe bet. Uh, in that case, they would most likely take Illinois, I think, because Illinois would be ranked fairly high. And I think they'll finish with a good record too, uh, possibly either the same, if not better than Penn State's. But if Purdue is somehow able to sneak back in or uh, Illinois does lose a couple of games at the, by the end of the season, uh, even still, they win the Big Ten West, but they lose some regular season games and Penn State happens to be better as a 10-2 and two team and ranked higher could see him in Pasadena. Uh, another scenario is the Cotton Bowl. I Two at-large teams go to this bowl, but I, I don't think it's likely. I don't think that the Cotton Bowl will invite them back. And, and there's actually, the way that bowl games work is that the committees for each bowl invite the team, not because they want the most even matchup, because but because they want the most views and they want the most tickets sold at this game, right? Uh they're not since Penn State's been in the Cotton Bowl recently, so back from the 2019 season, they're not going to invite them back. It's not about getting an even matchup. It is about uh, getting as many people to glue their eyeballs to the TV or put butts in seats in the stadium. The Outback Bowl, now the Tampa Bay Bowl, uh, also unlikely for that exact same reason. They just played that game against Tennessee, or excuse me, Arkansas. They just played that game against Arkansas. But they so they won't get invited back uh, in this case. All right. So what is the worst case scenario for Penn State in the season? Well, the true worst case scenario is they lose out. They don't beat any of the teams. They end up going six and six. They they lose to everybody. They lose to Indiana this weekend. They lose to Maryland, Rutgers. Oh, boy. Uh, Michigan State. And. It's just a bad season, and I don't know. So all hell breaks loose uh, in this case, and they end up going to the quick lane bowl because that's one of the uh, lower Big Ten bowls uh, where a Big Ten team gets invited. That is the true worst-case scenario. 
uh, a realistic worst case scenario. Sean Clifford struggles in a hangover game against Indiana. Maryland is better than anticipated and they win that game. I will not project the loss to Rutgers or even project the loss to Michigan State because of what just happened over the weekend. Mel Tucker's programs in shambles. They're suspending players. It is a bad look. Uh, that worst case scenario would be eight and four, five and four in conference. Uh, and then they play in a game like the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Some of you might like the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, the Duke, I think the Duke's Mayo Bowl has pretty good PR. Uh, they got a they got a funny team running the uh, running the show over there. But that would be against an ACC team. Uh, another worst case scenario, a realistic one, would be playing in the Pinstripe Bowl. And it's actually been a while since that uh, 2014 season where they played against Boston College and they won that game behind Christian Hackenberg's arm. Uh, but you could. See them hypothetically in the pinstripe bowl again in Yankee Stadium. This would be versus another ACC team. Realistically, I think they can finish 10 and 2. That, that's not just me being a homer. That is me being uh, realistic. They're better than Indiana. We know that. And we're going to scout them. We're going to do a locked on crossover. They're better than Indiana. They're better than Maryland. The Terrapins are good this year, but they're still better than Maryland. And that game's at home and they're better than Rutgers. I don't, I don't think I need to say more than that. I don't need to justify that reasoning. And they are better than Michigan state. So my realistic expectations for them are they went out sure. Indiana and Maryland are going to be tough coming off of this Ohio state loss, but you finish 10 and two. You finish seven and two in the Big Ten, and then you get invited to not necessarily a New Year's Six Bowl, but a, a more prestigious game like the Citrus Bowl. They haven't been there since the game against Kentucky. That was Trace McSorley's last season. That's a little bit of enough of a gap for that bowl committee to invite them back. Or the Music City Bowl, one that they've uh, <laughs> they definitely haven't been in recent memory. That's on New Year's Eve, and that's against an SEC team. I can easily see that one. Uh, being in for consideration for Penn State. So those are the expectations, uh, best case scenario, worst case scenario, uh, my uh, realistic scenario for Penn State, just because on paper they are better than all these teams, but the game's not played on paper. It is played on the football field. I do realize that, but uh, just what they have left on the schedule, they are more talented than everybody else, and you should expect them to play a game on or around New Year's. When we come back here on this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions, we are going to not necessarily settle the debate for Sean Clifford and Drew Aller, but give you the reasons why each one of them should start. And it, it's a conversation that's not going anywhere. Uh, since the game wasn't won against Ohio State, it's not going away. But I'll give you the case. Are you team Drew? Or are you team Sean? How each quarterback uh, has the best situation to start for Penn State. It is Locked On Nittany Lions. Today's episode of Locked On Nittany Lions is sponsored by Sweatblock. This is an actual customer review. Mike, who is a Vegas resource concierge, was sweating through his suit coat on the job in less than an hour. Not anymore, thanks to Sweatblock. Mike was able to fix his problem with Sweatblock. Sweatblock wipes are a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag, whether it's for a big presentation or a hot date everyone can benefit. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweater odor, why not try Sweatblock? Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com, also available on Amazon. 
Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. My name is Zach Seiko. Thank you for joining me on this edition, November 1st. A happy November to everyone again. Final segment is the Sean Clifford and Drew Aller debate continues. I'm not going to tell you what to think. I, I'm just going to, to lay out the reasons why either Sean Clifford or Drew Aller should start the rest of the season and then give you reiterate my opinion. Go check out yesterday's episode or listen to it back wherever you get your podcasts. And I kind of explain what in further what to do with Sean Clifford and Drew Aller, which I'll reiterate here. So the case for Sean Clifford, and, and it's really simple right now on November 1st, 2022. And for the rest of the season, Sean Clifford, everyone hates to hear this, but he is the better overall quarterback and gives Penn State the best chance to win football games. I don't know that Drew being in against Michigan and Ohio State, and let's just, let's think about this because Sean Clifford is a captain. Sean Clifford is the leader of this team. People look up to him. Benching him for losing to two top five teams two college football playoff contenders when yeah he bears some responsibility in those games like he didn't play perfectly but it wasn't his fault that they lost Com not his fault completely at all so you were sending the wrong message by just benching sean clifford because they lost to ohio state and michigan they won games that half the fan base didn't expect them to they beat purdue on the road not many of you were picking Penn State to win that game. They beat Auburn. They beat the crap out of them. Not a lot of you were expecting them to, A, win that game and then win that decisively. Sean Clifford had good games both of those days. In fact, I would say that he's very much responsible for winning that game against Purdue. Minnesota's not that great of a football team, but he led them to a victory on that day and was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. So Sean Clifford starting... The, the reason is, if you still believe that this season has merit, has meaning, which I do, and that Penn State can be 10-2 overall, 7-2 and two in conference, and go to a New Year's Six Bowl, then yeah, Sean Clifford should be starting this season. Now the case for Drew. Really, the only reason is to get him experience and to build for the future. I, it's not that, and, and the schedule is so easy that I would feel comfortable with a true freshman playing in these games uh, aside from Maryland, I think Maryland would be a, a tough test. And I still think, I mean, truthfully, because Penn state's so talented up and down the roster on both offense and defense, I think that drew would be able to win all four remaining games. Uh, but Indiana Rutgers and Michigan state will be a lot easier than Maryland itself, even though that one is at Beaver stadium, but you are strictly putting drew in, just just because because you're saying, you know what, Sean Clifford, forget you. Uh, we're going to build towards the future, whatever that exactly means. You're just getting Drew Aller in-game experience now so he can take that into the offseason. Um, these guys practice every day. They work on game-to-game -game, game -game situations. I know it's not the same when you're playing the scout team or you're playing 7-on-7 seven seven, uh, than 11-on-11 11 on, on Saturday in college football against somebody else that is trying to, uh, you know, to win a game. They're trying to compete against you. These Penn State players compete against each other every single day in practice. They compete with each other in the weight room, in Haluba Hall, in the film room, at least that I hope they are. Uh, so... That's really just it is to give Drew Aller teaching moments 
And I don't know that that is enough to justify trading away a 10 and two season, potentially playing a 13th game. Uh, well, you are going to play a 13th game because they are bowl eligible of playing that 13th game in one of the biggest settings that isn't the college football playoff where a committee selects you to join this game where you are invited to a New Year's Six Bowl or a high end bowl like the Citrus Bowl or the Music City Bowl. I, I don't think that Sean Clifford and giving him uh, or Drew Aller rather coming in and getting the additional learning experience is enough for me. Now, over these four games, there are going to be plenty of moments where you can get Drew Aller legit game experience against Indiana because Penn State should beat that team handedly. They should beat Michigan State and Rutgers handedly. And Drew Aller, like the Ohio game, should be in early in the third quarter when Sean Clifford doesn't have to do anything else. You don't have to be up necessarily by 28, 35 points early in the game, but build a sizable advantage by two, maybe three touchdowns and say, all right, Drew, you got a quarter and a half to work with. Let's see what you can do. Uh, so that's really the case for each is that Sean Clifford is the better quarterback in this day. Will Drew eventually surpass him? Logically, yeah. That's why he's a five-star recruit, and that's why everybody expects him to be as talented as he is, but that's potential. That is potential. Right now, on this given moment, Sean Clifford, the 24-year-old six-year quarterback, the veteran, is better and more suited to go out there and start for Penn State than a true freshman 18-year-old quarterback. And that's no disrespect to Drew. It's just where they are right now in terms of their careers. Eventually, when Drew, if, once Drew Aller becomes a 23, 24-year-old quarterback, yeah, I would anticipate that he is going to have better longevity than Sean Clifford. I, you know, I, I don't want to root for or against each one another for, for say who, you know, I want Drew to do better than Sean Clifford at the end of the day or have a better college and NFL career, whatever that looks like. But at the end of the day, this is going to be the case. Let me know in the comments section. Let me know on Twitter at my handle at Zach underscore Seiko or on Locked on Nittany Lions on Twitter. If you are team Drew or team Sean, uh, for me in black and white, I am still team Sean for this season. And I am eager for what Drew Aller can do next year and the year after that. Thanks for joining me on another edition of Locked on Nittany Lions. James Franklin has his weekly press conference today, so I will react to that tomorrow, tomorrow and start the conversation, get the ball rolling about Penn State and Indiana. They kick off at 3.30 on ABC in case you did miss it, but that is this Saturday. Penn State's got to bounce back against the Hoosiers. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again for joining me on Locked on Nittany Lions.